Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, Andrea here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. I am the author of Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction. Now, I'm so excited because I'm doing a Kindle price drop. So if you've been thinking about purchasing my book and you haven't purchased it yet, I highly, highly recommend getting it this week because this whole entire week, there is a price drop on the Kindle version of the book. So that Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction, it's all about having the courage to focus on you so that you can get your life back together. It is such a good book. It has so many nuggets of positive psychology. Um, It's a wonderful toolkit of resources to really help you take back your power so you can focus on you and restore strength and peace. And oh my gosh, because it's everything in that book, everything that I needed when I went through the muck of loving and in my case, losing someone to addiction. So I am so excited that I am able to have this price drop this week. So please, please, please grab your copy, share it with your network, share it with your support groups, um, because there are so many wonderful nuggets in there that can help people um, go through the turmoil that can come from loving someone with an addiction. So today I am excited because we are going into this idea of not taking things personally, how to hold space and keep your power. Now, this is so hard because even when I lost my addicted loved one, I took it really personally. I'm like, well, am I not fun enough? Or maybe I'm not, you know, fun to be with. Maybe I'm not sexy. That's why they stay in the garage all night. Um, I took so many things personally, like maybe I'm not loving hard enough. Maybe I'm, you know, I turned it inward and I turned it on to me. And I, I, I just don't want you to do that. I would love for you to be able to create this space and to um, keep your power because it's so easy to get knocked down and to lose your power. So if you you, you know, your family member or maybe um, your spouse or someone who has a substance abuse problem, it's really hard to not take it personally. Uh, you really do take it personally. And it's so hard to distance yourself and you know, you've always probably heard this idea of tough love or detaching until your loved one hits rock bottom. All these things are kind of, you know, suggested to us. But on the other hand, it really, it's so awful to feel all these feelings and you feel in the moment, you feel really angry, you feel tired, you feel overwhelmed, you feel scared. And so these recommendations actually make a lot of sense, right? To love from a distance, to wait till they hit rock bottom, to give them tough love. But the reality is, is that 
it doesn't feel good is really, you know what, it's all about you not taking things personally, realizing that that their addiction is their addiction. And and when you try to detach yourself or distance yourself, you're still going to feel those feelings, angry, disappointment, frustrated, tired, scared, overwhelmed. So sometimes you might even feel a little bit more overwhelmed and scared if you're loving from a distance or you're like, you know, practicing tough love. So I'm really, I really wanted to share this podcast because it's something that I kind of grappled with at the time. And I I hope that it offers you, you know, some support when it comes to loving someone with an addiction. Okay, so we are definitely social beings. So in psychology, we are basically, we're wired to be together with humans, to have connections, to have relationships. So sometimes we're in relationships where we love someone that has an addiction or that creates challenges within that relationship. So, you know, there's some people that we also get along with really, really well. And sometimes people are just hard to connect with. Sometimes people are very easy to connect with. So the idea here is to recognize that we are social beings, that we are meant to connect to others. We are meant and wired to make relationships work. That's why we stay in relationships so long. And and let's face it, I mean, if your addicted loved one is a child, you can't really divorce your child, right? So this, I hope that today can offer you some tools and strategies to help you so that you can not take it personally, so you can hold space and keep your power, right? All right. So sometimes when we take things personally, it's a byproduct of... Um, of loving someone with an addiction. It's a byproduct of, you know, relationships. We, we feel ownership in them. And so sometimes we are going to be in a situation where we do take things personally and that we are giving this other person power. That's what that is. You're literally, when you are trying, when you're taking things personally, it is giving that other person power. It's you taking things like it's your fault. And so this is not it. You do not deserve this. And we are not the cause. We cannot control. We did not create this addiction. Um, And so it's really important for us to um, allow us to buy this space so that we can question, you know, what it is that we feel and we believe that we can trust someone else to tell us who we are. So we're not relying on someone else saying, you know what, you suck as a partner or you, you know, you're always on me or you expect the worst. What are you crazy? Like I don't have an addiction. Like all these things, these gaslighting forms of manipulation that often come with loving someone with an addiction, um, they make us question and make us trust what someone else else is telling us. So instead of relying on who we know and what we know to be true about ourselves. So this is really important. So what defines you as a person without any outside influence is really important. So that's what not taking things personally is all about. In essence, taking things personally keeps us tied to someone else. It it really, in some extreme conditions too, it can even make us feel like a victim. And so when we take things personally, it, you can see that there's a negative effect. Effect. Okay. 
So what are some strategies, right? So that we don't take it personally. So how can we keep that confusion in the fog of the emotions that are coming up from knocking us down, right? We get so frustrated in the moment. Like, you know, it's like, I remember that my addicted loved one used to pick fights with me when he wanted to go out and use or go to his friend's house. And I got to the point where I just gray stone and I'd be like, okay, like I'd act like a gray stone. Literally. It's like, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you. So if you want to leave, just leave. Don't pick a fight with me because I don't have it in me to fight with you. And, um, and so again, and then sometimes I would question like, why is he leaving? Am I not fun to be with? Or, you know, it's amazing how our brains go there. So, but no, he had a problem. He had an addiction. He needed to leave in order to serve his addiction. So it had nothing to do with me. And so I got, I got to say though, in that moment, I probably wasn't as able to say that as I am now. So yes. So what we want to do then is we want to recognize that, um, we want to try to understand every given situation that, um, it, it can be potentially emotional. Very often it's emotional, but we can also work to stay calm. When we take things less personally, we, we are able to detach ourselves from it and we're able to stay calm, right? And so the, the reality here is, is that we want to figure out how we can do that. We first need to acknowledge that those emotions are human. The first step is to gain perspective on your own feelings and the problems and the challenges that you are facing. So based on many of my clients and my own personal experience, I would love to just validate some of the common feelings that you might be feeling. And these are very important because we don't want to just, oh, I'm not taking that personally and and brush our emotions under the carpet. I first want to just acknowledge some of the emotions that you potentially might be feeling. So disappointment, 100%, right? Disappointment that, you know, maybe your relationship isn't quote unquote normal. Maybe your family isn't quote unquote normal, right? You're embarrassed as a parent or, you know, that you, that the, the family network that you dreamed of or the relationship relationship that you dreamed of. It's not there for you, right? You might feel disappointment, let down, and more specifically a disappointment that your loved one has relapsed again, or that, you know, they promise they're not going to do it. I promise, promise, promise. I love you. Our life is so important, blah, blah, blah. And then they do it again, right? Disappointment, disappointment, lying again, you know, it's just, it goes on and on when you love someone with an addiction. So that's a normal emotion, Right. That's it. Disappointment. Honor it. You're going to feel it when you are going through the challenge of loving someone with an addiction. The other emotion that might come up is anger, right? Anger that your loved one is putting drugs above you. They're putting drugs above like, you know, good choices of wonderful family life um, that they're, they're blaming, maybe potentially blaming you for it. Um, They don't seem to care about you and your suffering. Um, They don't appreciate everything that you're doing for them, that you're trying to help them. Anger is a very valid, real emotion. The other thing is fear right? Fear that your loved one might, you know, 
pass out driving. They might drive drunk or under the influence. They might, um, you know, die. They might, you know, there there may be fear that they're ruining their own life or fear um, that they might hurt you, right? And um, and these are all valid fear uh, feelings. So fear is another one. Um, discouragement, right? When your loved one doesn't change after a long period of time, even after a heart-to-heart discussion, after maybe a scary incident. Mine had a massive car accident that ran into a pole and his car was a truck was a complete write-off, you know? And it's like, oh, like, it's just like, you know, and then, or maybe it's a second time in rehab or whatever it is, you feel discouraged. Discouragement is a very common emotion. Um, Another thing is shame, right? Shame over your loved one's choices. Shame, um, you know, that maybe they got a DUI or drinking under the influence, or um, maybe that they, um, you know, they're in jail again. Whatever it is, you might have that energy of shame. Very, very, um, common emotions, sadness. Oh my gosh, sadness, right? That you can't talk to them. Maybe they're not around. Maybe they're, you know, you love them so much and they're not the person that you fell in love with. And you're so sad because you're basically mourning the loss of someone who is still alive. That is so sad. This whole thing is sad. Um, and so, This is important for you to recognize that these are normal feelings. Another emotion uh, might be guilt. You know, maybe you blame yourself for causing it. Maybe you feel like you've contributed to the problem. It's um, maybe you think that you could have prevented it. Um, Guilt is a very common emotion amongst people who love someone with an addiction. You know, wondering whether you give your loved one enough attention or too much or not enough or like, you know, could you have handled that differently? or this idea and this energy and this feeling of guilt, right? You might wonder if you need a divorce or that maybe because you are so frustrated and angry that your emotions got the better of you and then you feel guilt around those emotions. Oh my gosh, there are so many emotions that might come up, right? So there are two things I want you to remember about these emotions. It's totally reasonable. It's normal that you are feeling some or all of these feelings. It is completely normal. The other thing I want you to remember about these emotions, it is very helpful. Those emotions are helpful for you to move forward constructively. It's helpful to alarm you to the fact that there needs to be change. There needs to be something that happens for you um, that's going to help you, right? So if you don't pay attention to these emotions, then you know, you're just going to go through life perhaps without the motivation for change. So these emotions are really, really important and they are essential. So your feelings are valid and are a direct result of loving someone with an addiction of this complicated, this painful situation. Um, that you face in your family and or with your loved one, right? So this is really important for you. So at the same time that we need to, we need to manage these emotions, and one of the best ways that we can manage these emotions is to not take things personally. This is one of the strategies and the tools that I'm offering you today. But how do we do that, right? How do we actually do that? How do we, you know? Um, 
how do we manage the, how do we not take things personally when, you know, sometimes you might be thinking, I should be able to speak my mind. I, you know, I can't let him walk all over me. I don't want to be a doormat. He needs to know how much he's hurting me. He needs to know how much, you know, his actions are affecting our family. So all these valid feelings are very important, right? Now, our strategy might need to shift a little bit. Our strategy of, you know, of tough love and things like that might need to shift a little. And here's how we're going to do it, right? Um, how this podcast, every, everything to do with SYKM community, Saving You is Killing Me, is all about making the most effective, encouraging, positive change. And that's what this is all about. So let's go into ways that we can effectively not take things as personally. Okay. So how are you supposed to not do that? It's hard, right? So here are some just quick ones, and then we're going to get into learning how to hold space and keep your power. So some quick strategies are trying to think about even, so if it's a child, if you, if your child is the addicted loved one in your life, um, try thinking of your child as if it were your neighbor's child, you know, when they talk to you about um, like, you know, uh, like something unfortunate, um, doing so that might create a little bit of distance. Um, as you think about how you might respond, another strategy is to remember how you feel when someone kind of gets upset with you or, or, or talks to you in a very emotional manner, right? You have a tendency to feel dispensive, to shut down yourself. So just having that awareness um, really allows you to realize, well, maybe approaching this situation, this challenge emotionally um, and emotionally charged might not be as effective. Um, the other thing is to recall the last time that you had calm discussions with your loved ones that went well, you know, and then the last time that you were, you know, you were calm in the discussion and you, um, you know, and chances are that it went a little bit better. So also try to shift your focus from what's happening to you to what you can do. And now this one, I cannot emphasize it enough, right? Thinking about what, uh, is happening to you. Like I, I know oftentimes like, I can't believe this. Like, you know, I go down that path and I feel really sad and emotional and angry and frustrated and all those emotions are valid. But then I would shift my focus. Okay. What is it that I can do? What is it that I can do to empower myself in this situation? right? And another strategy obviously is taking care of yourself, right? The more emotional resilient that you are, your baseline, the more that any of these distressful situations or these challenging situations that we might find ourselves in when we love someone with an addiction, are t- it's a wonderful tool of tolerance. It allows us to be less reactive and a little bit more able to respond. So recognizing that their addiction is their addiction and often like it has nothing to do with us. We didn't cause it. We can't cure it. We can't control it. So just offering that really does help you, you know, take back your power, focus again on you, focus on knowing that yes, the situation is going to be emotional. Those emotions are going to come up, but then we need to manage those emotions. We need to figure out ways to process them so that we can respond instead of react. 
Okay, so learning how to hold space and keep your power. So instead of just reacting when someone pushes your buttons, here are some things to consider. You know, when you find yourself caught up in uh, confrontation and and interactions that feel heated, um, you know, where you're feeling, you know, you're taking things quite personally and you're you're feeling very emotional. um, When we feel this, uh, where our personal integrity, it's so hard to stay calm. Oh my gosh, when someone is like personally like attacking you or like, you know, gaslighting or like telling you that you're not seeing this right. Or like, you know, tricking you almost and manipulating you or stealing from you. If, oh my gosh, like you get angry, you get frustrated, you get sad, you get disappointed. Like all those emotions remember are valid. It's not about sweeping them under the carpet. It's about recognizing that our buttons are going to be pushed when we love someone with an addiction, especially very, very common. So what we want to do is figure out how to create space and so we can keep our power. So here are some suggestions. Okay. So focus on what this relationship really means to you, right? How heavily are you invested in with this individual? Do you always need to be agreeable, right? Do you, um, do you need to like subdued or, or play down your emotions in order not to create waves? Do you need to go along with them in order for this person to stay calm or to keep the peace? Are you walking on eggshells all the time? I know I was. Um, so the idea here is perceiving the price you have to pay to be agreeable, looking at the price you have to pay, um, you know, if you disagree or challenge them. So the idea here is that you're really looking at things, you know, is it worth the trouble keeping them happy? Is it worth it for you to lose yourself, to lose your self-care, to, you know, to keep the peace. So the reality here is, is that focusing in, like evaluating how, what this relationship really means to you. And, um, maybe you might need some space. Maybe you might need, uh, to detach a little bit. Maybe you might need to, um, limit your exposure and time, um, things like that. Like looking at it from that objective perspective, focusing on what that relationship really means to you. And what the relationship with yourself means to you. And then, so the other thing here is to change the focus of the interaction by putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Now, this is hard to do, right? Just remembering. So detaching yourself and also recognizing, wow, it must be, I, I remember turning it into being about this. I used to say, wow, wonder what it's like to be, have an addiction. And I would really think, I go, that sucks to be you, or that must be really challenging. And then what happened is I removed myself from the problem. I wasn't the problem. And I used to even say that. I go, I'm not your problem. (laughs) Like you have a problem. You have an addiction. You have a problem. I'm not the problem. And so, um, so yeah, just things like that, like changing your focus, um, and putting yourself into that person's shoes too. It really helps with this idea of compassion and almost like you feel sorry for them and it detaches you from the problem. And that really does help with not taking things personally. The other thing is to not jump to conclusions too quickly when you are being confronted. I used to say the the calmer I would stay in the situation, almost like I would like almost put like a face on that was like, you know, just neutral, like no, like in the moment I would to stay calm, I would keep neutral um, and not jump to any conclusions. And, and, you know, they're pushing my buttons, but I would try to stay calm and create that space and that buffer. 
Um, so don't make assumptions or judgments or criticisms, right? That that they're saying. Don't take it personally. Like it, 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 like sometimes we think that it's seemingly directed at us, but it's like that's all them. That's all them. It's like you can let them. You know the judgments, the criticisms towards you. The you know because they're maybe they're coming. They're they're like in withdrawal or whatever, or they haven't slept for like six days, so they're super grumpy. It's like they're going to take it out on anyone around them. And especially you, you have a target because you are one of the people in their lives, right? And so remembering that the criticisms, all these things directed at you, it's not about you at all, right? And remembering that it's not about you. It's the crumminess that they're feeling, um, right? And putting that in perspective, it's their own projected perceptions. That's not you. They are struggling and they are pulling you into their vortex. I always say it's like the hurricane, right? There's an eye in the middle of the hurricane that's very peaceful and calm. Go to that eye, right? Just find that spot to stay calm. Um, They're struggling and they're taking it out on you. It's no reflection of who you are as a person. And I can't emphasize that more. So just creating that space so you don't take it personally right? In fact, almost always it's about them, their issues, their needs, you know, their desire to control you and your situation. Half the time I remember my addicted level was pushing my buttons because he wanted me to seem like the, the cray cray, so to speak. And so that he was like, I'm leaving you. You're crazy. Like, you know, anyway, so, um, yeah. So just the best thing you can do is prepare yourself when you are aware of these sensitive spots or this button pushing, or, you know, the things that trigger your emotions and your reactions, prepare yourself for that situation and that interaction. So when that interaction arises and attempts to draw you in, you're prepared. You're like, yep, um, no, actually I'm not taking that. Or it's like, no, I'm not the one with the problem. I, I'm last I checked, I'm pretty fine. (laughs) It's like, you're the one with the problem here. So creating space between yourself and your reactions. So Of course, of course, this is very, very hard. So your initial response might be to react emotionally, right? And push your butt because your buttons have been pushed. So if possible, don't follow that knee-jerk reaction. Take time to rein in those emotions and assess what's really happening. Remember like how and prepare how to respond. So instead of reacting right? Calm yourself down or create some space between you, yourself and your reactions. Maybe you create a mantra or a ritual or something that you do. I remember I used to push my finger into my thumb as if it was the Batmobile. And you know how when he closes the Batmobile, it like creates a shield around the Batmobile. It's almost like that. You're pushing a button and putting a shield around. It's like, hmm, okay. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) It's like creating space. So you're not sucked in. So a good visual too is to um, imagine yourself in the middle of this beautiful meadow with a fence all around it, like a picket fence that creates space. That's your space. Nobody's permitted inside that space unless you allow them to enter. And that's another visual you could practice. So when you create this space or kind of like a buffer between yourself and another person, it creates almost like a a personal boundary and you have less chance of being of it being crossed and it's it's not as blurry. And that really does help, right? It helps you so you don't have to take things personally. You can recognize the space. It's just about buying time, really. 
All right. So also when you are ready, then you can respond, right? In order to gain clarity, in order to respond. So once you create that buffer, and I have to say, if this is useless, if you're not dealing with someone who is sober. So I used to say, okay, yeah, you know what? There, there, nothing is going to come good out of this conversation. So I used to write in my journal to process all my emotions while he's out in the garage again till like six in the morning and just process the emotions, the frustrations, get it out and then allow myself eventually to fall asleep. And then I knew that he would come back. I used to say to myself, he's going to come back with this whole big letter, these flowers, and just going to love bomb you and you know, go back to that place of feeling that and then it would help me relax and like there's no there's no point in me confronting at that time so hopefully your emotions can take a back seat for a little bit and 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 confront the the person that you need to talk to if you want to even confront them if you want to have a conversation right and exp- like let them explain what's going on ask questions like like you know i noticed when you do this this happens or you know trying to stay neutral put your emotions in the back seat to hear them out recognizing that they might want to push buttons okay so that's very common so listen carefully so you can discern what is making sense and what is based on basically their fantasy of what they they want to believe um, and explanation of why they've behaved in a certain way. And just hearing it calmly from a calm place um, is really effective because you can discern like reality from non-reality. And if you journal, it's amazing because it can back up so you don't question yourself in the future, especially if you've been, you know, gaslit and, and, and you have what's called Uh, alcohol or drug-induced narcissism that you're dealing with, right? There's a lot of manipulation that can go there. So the idea here is to respond instead of react. So it can, if it becomes clear that this person can't respect you in your space and insist on creating a situation, you know, they keep creating these situations over and over again. Um, and if you're feeling uncomfortable, you're feeling bad about yourself, or these are personal attacks on you and you feel devalued and belittled and you're constantly feeling down, you need to rethink this relationship. Whether that be, you know, if it's a family, it may be hard, obviously, to divorce yourself from that, but you can limit your time, your exposure, and you can change the nature of your relationship, you know, and this is another way to not take things as personally is to step away, you know, break off ties for your own sake. And I'm not saying to leave your addicted loved one in your life necessarily. However, I am just encouraging you to recognize what is true for you. So the idea here is you want to learn to rely on yourself. Of course, take back your power, create that space, um, and, 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 and go to a place where you can respond instead of react, understand that your emotions are real and that they're valid and, and trying not to take things personally, because a lot of times this is not you. This is depersonalizing yourself or depersonalizing the situation will give you more power. Buying that space is the most effective strategy for change and it really will help you. So that's it. This is all about 
not taking things personally and holding the space so that you can also keep your power. I hope you got a lot out of this. I'm sending you so much love and hugs and I just hope that you hit subscribe so you can get all the current episodes coming in. There's a lot of exciting things coming our way in the future. So make sure you do hit subscribe. Um, We are starting SYKM meetings very soon. So if you're definitely interested, um, make sure you reach out and I will give you more information probably in the next couple weeks to come. Okay, thank you everybody and I'm sending you again a big hug. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want additional support, you can head on over to my website at andreaslidell.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone going through this struggle so that we can all work together to take back our lives and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but also week after week. I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes every single week so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.